episodes 9 and 10 seem to present us with a single insuperable difficulty. That in order to decide how we should best organise education, we need first to decide what we envisage to be the proper model, perhaps we could call it, of human well-being. But the model of human well-being that we might settle on will be based upon the way we have until now made sense of the world. And the way we have until now made sense of the world appears to be responsible for the problems of the world and therefore perhaps to disqualify itself from being a legitimate basis upon which to determine the nature of human well-being. So both ends of the polarity that we might aspire to complete or resolve appear to be blocked. We can go neither forwards nor backwards. This is not an unfamiliar difficulty and it's not surprising therefore that John Dewey addressed it directly and indirectly in a number of his works. This is not the place to go into the detailed analysis of the way he presents things but his conclusion which is stated really more as a method than as a formal theory is that we should not try to sort things out in advance. This is a peculiarly profound point in the context of pragmatism. It's well known, but one might be forgiven for thinking commonly misunderstood, that pragmatism opposes the external authorities, the notion of a metaphysical ground, an eternal ground, by means of which we should determine truth, value, purpose and the like, including morality. And Dewey was certainly utterly critical of the traditional approaches to such things as moral theory that are based upon some kind of transcendental plane, some kind of eternal, absolute, everlasting, unchanging frame of reference. Instead, he believed in a thoroughgoing empirical approach. And this has meant that he has often been accused or simply uh, described as a naturalist someone who thinks that the basis upon which we should do our planning and our developing is basically to look at what people do and what people want and how people's lives are situated in their specific contexts. So that he is also, as well as being called a naturalist, being called a contextualist, both with considerable justification. The sense in which the rejection of the metaphysics of the absolute 
is important here and the one that is frequently overlooked by those who study pragmatism is that it relates to a point we made in series one on a number of occasions that one of the reasons why determinism must be false is that we cannot anticipate what it will feel like to be ourselves tomorrow. Even if we were able to predict with any certainty what the configuration of the molecules of our bodies might be tomorrow, we could not know what it was like to be those bodies, to feel what it would be like to be those bodies tomorrow. And therefore the determinist hypothesis is fatuous and vacuous. But Dewey's point goes much further than this, because what he wants us to appreciate is that the attempt to decide in advance what kind of solution to a problem we should seek, or even which problems we should regard as meriting solutions, this is a point we made in series two episode 10, both those things are habits of mind that come from the view that there is some independent intellectual metaphysical ground upon which one can determine, for example, what is good for humankind, or if you like, human well-being and what it looks like. Dewey says, no, you can't. And therefore, not only can you not decide what a solution to your problems looks like in advance, or what you will be prepared to count as a solution, you can't even decide what the problems that merit solving are in advance. Everything is contextual. Everything, to use again that Latin tag, is solvitur ambulando solve things as you move with them. Or, as Kierkegaard quotes Aristotle as having said, adopt kinetic thinking. Adopt a mode of approach to your problems that is itself redefined, reconfigured as you go along. And this is just what Dewey thinks we should do. So, to cut to the chase, Dewey would not say that in order to define an adequate educational policy, you must first define what you mean by human well-being or even a successful educational policy that leads to human well-being or something as, as vague as human happiness. He would say, what is to constitute human well-being and what is to constitute an effective, successful educational policy must evolve together. So to take an example that we find in Margaret Cochrane's set of essays, in the essay on Dewey's moral theory by, I think, Bowman, Dewey wouldn't say that in order to sort out 
human beings, you first need to sort out the political system that shapes them, or that in order to short sort out the political system, you first need to reform human beings, and that would go for any institution at all, he would see the dynamic interplay, the interdependency of, for example, our democracies and our citizens as always mutually dependent and always mutually defining. So that, to use exactly a metaphor that we find in human nature and conduct, we don't go round in circles, but we go in a kind of spiral where we are constantly being affected by our society and its institutions and its political systems, as well as if we are empowered citizens affecting those societies and political systems. And the habit of mind that wants, as you might say, to decide in advance where to go and how we will know when we've got there and therefore what the most appropriate method is in order to affect the journey the one that we've been talking about in terms of decide what kind of human being you think we should be and then define and design an education system to produce them. This is just an illegitimate example of a habit of mind framed by an absolutist metaphysical mentality or, to put it slightly differently, by an intellectualist mentality that thinks that abstract reason conducted independently of the circumstances in which we find ourselves can be deployed to solve a problem. I leave aside for the moment but I mention it that in mathematics this is exactly what we're doing all the time but that probably says something about the deficiencies of mathematics not about the deficiencies of Dewey's theory. Dewey will therefore say that one of the ways that we need to stop trying to make sense of the world, one of the ways we need to unmake sense, is that we need to stop thinking that we can decide where we're going in advance. And therefore we need to stop trying to say that first we need to, as you might say, define the objectives of the educational system before we can define the methods, because the two cannot be separated. And indeed, going back to the determinist point, the kinds of human beings that a truly adequate educational system will go in, uh, will, will serve to produce can't be anticipated any more than we can anticipate what it will be like to be ourselves tomorrow. All of this is, as you might say, of a piece. All of this is saying that we need to rid ourselves of an abstract intellectualist, rationalist set of assumptions devoid of any experience of the particular circumstances of our lives, of our society, of our geographical location, and instead 
be ready to accept the redefinition of the objective in the process of attempting to achieve it. Rather, to take a a rather different analogy, is if you set off on a journey and you thought that you were going to go, let's say, to, uh, to Rome, but you are distracted by Paris on the way and go there instead. So the way in which this system operates is to say the destination isn't even defined and doesn't even exist yet. So it's not like Paris rather than Rome. It's about the creation of a destination for ourselves that is not as yet even foreseeable and will only emerge as a result of engaging in the journey. And the only education system that is up to that, that is fit for purpose in that kind of scheme of things, is one that is itself ready to be redefined and to redirect itself in the light of the emergent qualities that it produces, not only in its students and pupils, but in its teachers and indeed in the society in which it always inheres. So there is a very deep sense here that the apparent paradox of needing to decide where you want to go before you can decide how to get there dissolves when we refuse to allow ourselves to be persuaded to make sense of the world in a way that makes that problem real. Instead, we need to unmake that sense and to start being ready to adopt a solve-it-as-you-go-along philosophy where it is possible for something completely new to emerge as a result of the way we undertake the journey.